For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. It is Boxing Day. Happy Christmas to all of you who celebrate. I uh, hope you had a lovely day. I hope Santa brought you everything that you desire. He brought us a Miami Dolphins victory. And over the next 40 minutes or so, we shall discuss that. As always, I am Simon Clancy, along with Chris Kaufman and Alfredo Artiaga. This is Three Yards Per Carry. As always, the show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Use the promo code three. That's the number three yards to get a $100 match bonus on your $100 deposit. And by our friends at Manscaped, get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN. That's the number 5RSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code 5RSN. Alf, tell us all about Factor Meals, our other sponsor. Well, we have a dedicated page over there. So you could go to factormeals.com forward slash three yards per carry five zero. And that's the number three yards per carry five zero. And you use the same code three yards per carry five zero. And you get 50% off your first order. People talk about the NFL and talk about December games. And for Miami, it doesn't really get bigger than back to back to back games of what we're seeing at the moment. The Dallas Cowboys on Sunday, the Baltimore Ravens Sunday coming, and then the Buffalo Bills. Three of the biggest games that this team, this franchise has had in many years. 1-0 so far after the magnificent performance to down the Dallas Cowboys. Slightly nervous watching the Baltimore Ravens dismantle the 49ers last night, which uh, I'm sure for all sane Dolphin fans on Christmas evening, that wasn't exactly what you wanted in your Christmas stockings. But nevertheless... The destiny of the AFC remains in the hands of our Miami Dolphins. And boys, it was a um, it was a pretty special Christmas Eve. And, and not just really the gate, just the whole atmosphere, the whole thing felt like a big time playoff game, didn't it? It felt like the, the stadium, I haven't heard the stadium that loud and that raucous. I know there were some Dallas fans in there, but it really felt like it was a Dolphins home crowd. And, and sometimes it hasn't felt like that in big games, um, but it just had a real playoff feel to it. And, and the, the team delivered. Absolutely. Uh, well, how much fun could you have? And I saw some people on Twitter. Oh my God, it's all it's all cowboy fans. Well, first of all, that's a, an absolute lie. 
Okay, Dolphins have been regulating who you can sell your tickets to as of late. And I guess they're picking and choosing going forward. And we've had some people on OnlyFans complain about that, that they're picking and choosing who could retain their season tickets. So did the Cowboys have a big crowd? Of course they are. They're the Dallas Cowboys. But did they have 15, 20,000, maximum 22,000 on there? Yes. That means that there was 50,000 Dolphin fans. And they were loud. And we saw, at least I know what I saw, I saw two really good football teams trading blows going back and forth. And I saw a quarterback at the height of his powers in Dak Prescott not relent and bring his team from two scores down to take the lead and then not get the ball back again, which suggests that there was some pretty high-level quarterbacking on the other side as well from Tua Tungabaloa. So the game had everything you could ask for. Uh, It was two really good teams. Can they meet again in Las Vegas? I think Miami's a little bit more likely because Dallas is almost now confirmed to be on the road three weeks in a row. But if you told me they met again in Las Vegas, I believe you. Chris, that was a nervy three hours as well. I can't remember a time where I've been that nervous, where a game has been that stressful. Um, And maybe that speaks to the importance of of December football and to, to where we are as a team. Yeah, I think that in this this one is probably the first time, uh, might have been the first time that I can remember being, you know, significantly nervous myself uh, for the game because I've I've kind of taken the season as it comes and I'm trying to to enjoy the season because this is the finest season the Dolphins have had in decades, right? So, um, and and you could tell. Uh, that the way the team was structured, the way they're performing, that this is this is the finest team we've probably fielded in, in decades. And uh, and so, you know, I mostly try to enjoy the season and, and take the games as they come. Sometimes it's close. Sometimes it doesn't go your way. That's just the way football is. Um, but this game is it had a perfect combination of, you know, this was a tough game, uh, a very tough game. It was clear that Dallas had a monkey on their back with respect to uh, performing uh, on the road and they came, they came to get that off. You know, they came, they came ready to, to, uh, to uh, put to bed that, that whole narrative. Um, also clear that the dolphins had a monkey of their back on their back of their own uh, with respect to not being able to beat, you know, quote unquote, good teams. Uh, so two teams you know, performing at high level to, uh, to try and um, to try and, uh, shout down the uh, the critics, but it's also a combination of we are now in the stage of the season that is very playoff like, where these games matter a lot. You know, it doesn't matter the Dolphins are going to get in the playoffs, and we've known that the Dolphins are going to be in the playoffs. And in previous seasons, that would have been okay for us as fans. Uh, this season, we're thinking more. We're thinking bigger. And so we're thinking number one seed. We're thinking home field in some of these playoff games where the Dolphins are extremely tough to beat, uh, you know, Titans game notwithstanding. Um, so I think that, that that combination, that did have me on edge. That did have me uh, very nervy uh, during the game. And so, you know, when the Dolphins were able to, um, to clinch it, clinch the victory at the end there, uh, you know, that, that also brought about some of the some of the most, you know, kind of um, explosive, uh, explosive good feelings uh, that that you that I've seen this year from the from the Dolphins. So it was great. 
Alf, uh, many people have got in contact with me and with us on OnlyFins, which is our Discord that you can sign up to for $3 a month. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it really is $3 a month. Uh, and on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, at 3 yards per carry, to say that this is obviously going to be the episode where you apologise to Jason Sanders. And we will get to you getting <laughs> on your knees in front mm -hmm. of Jason Sanders, which sounds far more rude than it should do. But I just want to talk about something very briefly before we get into the kind of full meat of the game, because... Special teams was extremely important in this mm -hmm. game because it was very much a game of field position. And it felt at times like... And, and, and because theirs it, is elite, Simon. Yeah, it's the best, I, in, I, I sport, best it, in the sport. Yeah. Brandon Aubrey, an, an incredible kicker, hasn't missed all season. And, and he just looks like an absolute machine, a robot. Everything seems to go literally... I think if, you know, if you were to draw up a graph, you know, it goes straight through the middle. I don't think there's any kind of deliberation on either side. It's literally right down the middle every single time. And Brian Anger is a, is a great punter. And... It felt like a couple of times Anger was kind of keeping them in the game when we got them kind of, you know, backed up against their and own Turpin end zone. Turpin is dangerous. We yeah, were very, very smart. Just kick it out of the end zone every time. Don't, give yeah, him, don't even give yards. him an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. But but then on the Dolphin side, and we'll get to Sanders in a sec, but coverage teams were excellent. Berrios had a, you know, a couple of nice returns. Uh, Elijah Campbell had that great um, kind of momentum changer where he stopped the ball down at the goal line. But it was off the back of a really good Jake Bailey punt. And Bailey hasn't been particularly good this season, but that was a superb moment when we really needed it. And special teams, you know, Danny Crossman's unit, we haven't talked about much on this podcast this year, but came up big in a very big moment, not including Jason Sanders. Absolutely. Uh, they were they were in tune. The team looked like they were breathing better in this game. Uh, they had a seriousness about them. No real lulls. Uh, of course, it took care of the of the football. They got one turnover of their own, although, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give them a turnover on that fourth and five at the five. And I think that's something that they have to clean up. You can't take the points all the rest of the game and decide at the five yard line. You know what? We're going for it. No, no. Take those points, too, because then your lead would have been more ample at halftime. And then you would have been protecting a 12 point lead instead of a nine point lead twice. So you would have given yourself a little bit more room to, to breathe. So. Uh, the game wasn't without blemishes, but if there was one spot in this game that was absolutely flawless, it was those special teams, uh, except for that one time where they lined up for a field goal and they forgot to send ten guy, uh, 12 guy, 11 guys out there, and Dern Smythe just ran on late and had to use a timeout. But other than that, they were absolutely spot on. Uh, Jake Bailey as well, big punts. He needed big punts because uh, that offense, their running game wasn't really online. And they weren't getting a lot, especially on the edge against Miami. But the quarterback was on. And when that quarterback is on, and I've seen it, he's an MVP candidate coming into this game. Only the loss. And that's why these MVP conversations are just so dumb. Because I woke up this morning and now Lamar Jackson's the MVP. So it's whoever wins the last game is now the MVP. Dak Prescott was the MVP coming into this game. The only thing that's hurt him are these two losses to two AFC East teams, which are of no real consequence to them. Okay, so we should get your apology then out of the way, kind of now. I think Chris absolutely and I are prepared for it. So, in your own time, take it away. Yeah, uh, I think we all have to apologize because I, I made I think my... probably probably just leave Chris and I out of this. I think this is probably just one for you, mate. I think you just need to own this. And... <laughs> well, I did predict, and although that prediction is absolutely, no, I don't think it needs dead. any kind of. It doesn't need any preface or any kind of. I just think you just need to just come out with it, mate. Don't be well, frightened. Just embrace yeah, but, it. But let me let me give a little background. No, 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 I no, did just, predict just, oh, that the season it, would end in Arrowhead on a missed 47-yard field goal by, yeah. I don't think by this Jason is, Sanders. Jason's listening. I think this is doing him a bit of a disrespect. So I think you probably just need to just 
do the apology first. Then if you want to sneak in a caveat afterwards, that's fine. But I apologize, just, Jason Sanders. You You're absolutely magnificent. Just, just take, uh, sorry, many, just take Alpha, I'm talking how, over how you. So just times did you cut Jason Sanders? Oh yeah, my just, God. Uh, I, I, ready, I, I, had, I had guys working out after week one. Uh, you know, well, we needed to we need to have like a Robin door of everybody who could kick a, a football in here since Would week like one, since he missed that extra point against or... the Chargers. Yeah. Oh was... my God. What, was he good or what? Like that was awesome. I almost showed him the disrespect of going to the bathroom during one of those 50 yard tries. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to stick around. I'm going to show him the respect of watching him miss this thing. And no, each one even better than the next. And uh, by the way, somebody did a trajectory test on the 57 yarder. It would have been good from nearly 70. It would have been good from 69 because that thing hit the net and it hit the net with a thud from 57. So something got into him and whatever it is, it's good because he's on a heater. And I think that's that was the missing piece. Now, if you have Jason Sanders just hitting him from everywhere, it's going to take our, our, our coach to just take points early in the game because now you can rely on him it seems so take those points because jason sanders is back and back in a big big way uh good to have him back i don't know where he went for for about two and a half years chris did that feel satisfactory enough <laughs> kind of felt lacking a little bit I feel a little bit. I feel a little bit lacking uh, i feel but, a little bit know, if i was okay. miss, if i was jason's mom i'd feel like i'd been let down well, it's a fact that he cannot miss a kick in Arrowhead in the AFC Championship game anymore. Right. Because we're not going to Arrowhead ever helping. again. Caveat's not helping, really. All we're looking for is a five-letter word. Yeah, I am sorry. Hey! There we go. There we go. Until you, miss, until you miss a big kick. How do you feel? Oh, I feel How great. does it feel? Right. Do you feel yeah. like you just gave birth? Yes. Jason Sanders, thank you. I'm, I'm, right. Hopefully, hopefully, I gotta, I gotta apologize to Liam Meikenberg in a few weeks too. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope we've got to apologize to a lot of people. So, coming up, we'll take an early break. We'll come back and we'll talk second half of the show. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about our players of the game, and we'll play a tiny little sneak peek ahead to what is shaping up to be an absolute monster of a game on Sunday in Baltimore when the Dolphins take on the Ravens. You are listening, of course, to Three Yards Per Carry. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, 
Jorge and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six. That's nine five four five seven nine zero three five six. Or visit the website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than eighty five star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. Welcome back to Three Yards Per Carry. Simon, Alf, Chris, as always. Digging into Miami's uh, victory against the Dallas Cowboys. If you're just joining us halfway through, where have you been? But you've also missed Alf's groveling apology to the family of Jason Sanders, which was uh, an all-timer, and we finally got there. Boys, before we go any further, Micah Parsons is an absolute freak of nature, isn't he? I mean, you watch you watch him, you know, running from the backside to the front side to make tackles, running past his own players. You watch him walk Kendall Lamb back six or seven, like almost pick him up and walk him six or seven steps back into the quarterback. I mean, the guy is an absolute freak, isn't he? Oh, my God. Um, what a player. Uh, but they got decisions to make because Miami kind of found something. You play him on the edge. Miami kind of showed how they could render him a bit useless, especially in the run game. Uh, there was one play where they ran a toss play. I posted that play on, on OnlyFans. We run a toss play. We decided to bypass the cutoff. The cutoff is just when you send a guy to the opposite of the formation to cut off the pursuit coming across the formation. That pursuit's going to come always from the end or an outside linebacker for a team that plays like a Tampa 2. So we were bypassing it because, hey, we got Raheem Mostert. We got Devon Achan. Do we really need to do a cutoff on an end, which might be Demarcus Lawrence or Micah Parsons? No, right? Like, we'll out- outrun those guys to the perimeter. Nope, you were not. Michael Parsons was running him down across the formation and turning what should have been six or seven yard gains into two yard gains. So we decided, you know what? We're going to send the cutoff consistently. And when they were doing that, Alec Engel was getting his on Michael Parsons and essentially rendering him useless in the play, especially in the run play. But you are sacrificing one player to take out an end. So that's not how our run game should be working. They kind of found something that I think is the way forward for the Cowboys. They were playing them off the ball on first and second down. And I think that was helping their defense. And then they were rushing them as a specialist on third down. And that was making it even better. Um, You watch him play live. And that effort he was playing with, that's something that he shows every single week. Um, That's another thing. If you say he is the best defender in football, I don't know if there are too many more arguments against it. The man can play every position on defense except corner yeah, and, and play play that, every yeah. single one of them well. 
The, the funny thing is about Jalen Waddle is that Waddle has his third consecutive thousand yard season. He's one of the best, most, you know, athletic, fastest players in the league, deep threat, short threat, can go the distance from anywhere. And yet he almost feels like a bad pick because we passed on Parsons to take Waddle. It's astonishing how good Parsons is. I mean, Waddle is a tremendous player. Yeah, Michael like, Parsons. I don't think I'm out of I'm out of school here. Yeah, Miles Garrett's a better pass rusher, better defensive end. This guy's a better defender. I yeah. think this is the best defensive player in the sport. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, the fact the fact that they could use him the way that they did off ball as a middle linebacker to yeah. to shut to shut down from inside out. Yeah. To shut down from inside out the perimeter run game. Like the the fact our outside zone and our stretch plays and stuff like that, they were using his speed as an off ball middle linebacker to shut down our outside zone runs. And that is that is unique. It definitely worked against the Dolphins. At some point, it got to the point where if you see him on the early, you know, if you see him lining up in that position, then the Dolphins should have just gone to a kill call on whatever outside run they were planning because it was it was not going to work. And uh, and the fact that you could use him like that, uh, in addition to what he can do on third down, on third and long. I mean, he's a wrecking ball on third on third and long. This was. This was the first game where I felt like not only was our outside run game going to be shut down situationally, but also our third and long. It's like we're we're old. Go back a few years and third and third and eight, third and nine, third and ten felt like you know something that we're just you know we're going to give up on because our offense just can't do it right. Uh, then you go to the Mike McDaniel offense and suddenly it, with Tua at, at quarterback and suddenly it's like, oh, well, no, now it's just another down for us. We can convert those. This was a game where I felt like that wasn't going to happen. Like it would be wiser on third and nine to uh, to call up a play that's a little bit on the safe side um, because because of Mike and Parsons. And well, uh, give DeMarcus Lawrence's credit on, as well. He played like a madman. But um but yeah, I, I think that he's just an absolutely special player, and he came, and more probably more more importantly, he came to play on that day. Like he didn't, he wasn't going to get lost in the wash, and yeah. um, and, and I think he had it circled. Bit of breaking NFL news for those of you that follow the wider game: T.J. Hawkinson is out for the season with a torn ACL and a torn MCL. That's the Vikings. TJ Hawkinson having his best year is out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL and MCL. Has just been announced by. Uh, by Kevin Stefanski, not by Kevin Stefanski at all, because he's not the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. That would be Kevin O'Connell. <laughs> there you go. I'm reading something out of the Browns as I'm looking at the news about um about Hawkinson. Um, one final point on on Parsons, uh, and the, there was a moment in the I can't remember when it was, but it was when the Dolphins were driving towards the end zone in which uh Dak scored with, to Brandon Cooks. He literally picks Eichenberg up doesn't physically pick him up. He, he essentially puts him in the air by putting his hands in his chest and moves him back and upwards in the air about three yards. And as the play continues to the to the front side, Eichenberg just stands there and looks at Parsons as if to say, I genuinely can't believe that just happened. It's one of the most it's one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Anyway, we talk about the offensive line. I, I thought the offensive line held up pretty well given the power of that front seven. Um, one of the things that I find really conflicting, especially with this current lineup, not so much Eichenberg, but certainly with the guards, is that people say, oh, well, the Dolphins can't run the ball on, on third and short, on fourth and short, because well, not with these guards. And I think to myself, but the, these guards, in terms of blocking, 
that's exactly what you want them to do, Chris, isn't it? The, the you know Jones and um, and Cotton are you know not, not superior run blocking guards, but they're certainly guys that can get some movement in the run game. And I, I think that's why I found it so frustrating where we've continued a little bit to outthink ourselves in the you know throwing fades and those sorts of things. When you when you see how we can just smash teams in the mouth when we're running the ball, especially with these guards. Uh, who can clear a clear a path? I mean, you look at the the, the hole that that Jones created for the key third and two that that Jeff Wilson essentially iced the game with. He completely collapses the the, the Dallas defensive line. It, it's a bit a bit of a misnomer, I think, that the Dolphins can't run the ball with in inverted commas these guards. Yeah, I think that, that this is this is who you. I mean, these are these are road graders. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Robert Jones. I mean, that's that's what they are. If anything, you you think that they're a little bit they're miscast in this system right that they're they're probably not they're probably not the best um you know drawn up on a on a on a board fit for this uh system but on a third and short on a short yardage situation um yeah you get (laughs) you get some you get some uh double teams and uh and 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 motion people over i think that they can do that and uh later on i mean you, you mentioned it you mentioned robert jones what he did on that play um, that Jeff Wilson uh, converted, you know, that's the sort of thing that these guards should be able to do. And let's give uh, Liam Eikenberg some credit on that one too. I mean, he's this, I think he and Connor Williams have different, uh, slightly different games uh, in, in what they're and what they can do and what they're good at. Um, yeah. They, they should absolutely be able to do this. Uh, I think that Part of it, it has to do with the running backs. I think that uh, making the decision to get Jeff Wilson involved uh, more yeah, uh, definitely, definitely kind of uh, maybe expands the uh, playbook or expands the um, play call options for uh, for Mike McDaniel in these situations. Um, you know, whereas if you're going with Raheem Mostert and Devon Achan, uh, it might be a little bit different. Um, Chris Brooks is is coming back as well, so that that will uh, that will probably keep that uh, that possibility alive in short yardage, which is which is what we need. And going back to just real quick, you know, non sequitur, the 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 go for it play call the five the five yard line, which I know that Alf disagrees with. I didn't disagree with the uh, the decision to go for it, and I think that what ended up happening sort of illustrates why a lot of people would say, yeah, you do go for it in that situation because the worst that's not the worst that's going to happen. The worst that's going to happen is always uh, a really bad, but the most likely bad scenario or scenario, if you don't make it is you've got them backed up on their own goal line. Your defense is playing pretty strong. Uh, you're going to end up getting the ball back after a punt with a pretty good field position anyway, which is pro- which means that you can probably just get 10 or 15 yards. And hey, you're already back in that field goal position. You're using the field goal, the field position in your favor by going for it. And I don't I don't mind that. What I did mind is the goddamn play call. The play call, exactly. <laughs> which is another another end zone fade. You know, please tear that out of the playbook. You know, um, and I say that after. It has worked out in the past at times, but and and if you please. watch that play, I hate to interrupt you, but if you watch that play on the backside, you got Chase Claypool running a quick out all by himself. There's nobody else. Like I don't understand that play design. Why are you sending everybody to one side and you have Chase Claypool running a quick and out? also to the short side of the field as well, to the no space side of the field? Yeah, right. Like, why? The the other it's, thing about that people people have been saying, why aren't we throwing it up to Claypool? Who's you know. 
I don't want to throw it up to Claypool. I just want to throw it up into the sun. The furthest sun away from the playbook <laughs> is all right with me because that is just not a, you know, not a play that I want to see called again. I, I just want to um, touch upon something that Chris just touched on very briefly there, Alf, and just a quick note. Chris Brooks and Jeff Wilson, to me, will be very important on Sunday against Baltimore because, and we'll get into it in our preview show on Thursday night, which will obviously you'll be able to digest before that game but it does feel like Mike McDaniel might have to based on what we saw last night and based on the success of the Rams against the Ravens in Baltimore early in the season Mike McDaniel might just have to tailor his scheme or his game plan just a little bit and I wonder about the importance of Brooks and Wilson Wilson showed what he could do with some big time fourth quarter runs against the Cowboys and you know will Mike McDaniel be brave enough to to change or is he all out you know balls out do whatever you know. Do what I do, regardless. How do you how do you see that one briefly? Yeah, uh, they went they went to some some gap scheme stuff. If you watch that Rams and and I keep going to that Rams Ravens game. First of all, because it was in Baltimore. Second of all, because they had a three hundred yard passer and a running back run for one hundred and fifteen yards in Kieran Williams. And how they did it was pretty much keeping the concepts that they keep on offense. You know, with Cooper Cooper Cup and and Puka Nakua. But they changed their run game a bit more to a gap scheme instead of outside zone, which is what Sean McVay likes to run. And they had a lot of success against the the Ravens. Scored thirty one points, lost in overtime. Yeah, yeah. The one the one point I'd make about that the Baltimore um, game is you know we're going to have the preview, but ha- having seen both the Rams and the Forty ers play against the Baltimore defense, uh, and the Rams have success and the Forty ers not. Um, you know that that should give Mike McDaniel a solid, a solid base from which to formulate a game plan against them, and I think that that's you know that's a a nice advantage to have. So there won't be any excuses. Yeah, I thought overall Tua played well slash really well. There were a couple of misses, and Chris and I had a sort of a back and forth little discussion about there was a, a miss down towards I think on a third down, he was trying to get Cedric Wilson, but there was a lot of pressure. I think the two biggest misses in inverted commas for me were what would have been a 92, 93 yarder, which was, you know, actually should have been caught. But without my without Micah Parsons absolutely collapsing in Kendall Lamb and hitting to a just he throws the ball, that ball probably gets thrown slightly a yard more inside which is a touchdown. And then obviously the one on the final drive, which is the absolute staple of our offense, which is the sort of the, the post, the, the corner wheel on the outside and then the in-breaking route to, to Tyreek. But again, there was a, a an unmanned blitzer and a, an unpicked up blitzer who just threw that timing off. And it speaks to the millisecond timing of the offense that that throw was just off because actually, I mean, ironically, you look at that throw, it, it, if two are, completes that to Tyreek and Greg Olson said it in the commentary if he catches it he probably goes the distance well he goes the distance he also gives Dallas you know two minutes to to drive down the field and win the game with a touchdown so actually it worked out pretty <laughs> well at the end but well it would have made for a, a nerve-wracking moment right because it was absolutely uh, 19, but it's so the, we would have had to go for tiny... two so we would have gone up 27 20 if we get to two so if. it would have been a pretty interesting moment right down down there yeah. going for two but I just find it interesting that that people sort of question those things and you, you look at the absolute, because the intricacies of the timing of the offense are so, you know, it, it can only take a split second. That ball just coming out slightly quicker than than expected meant that that was an inaccurate, in inverted commas, pass. The same with the 92-yarder that, that nearly was. Yes, it's a drop. And yes, it's a really, it's a good throw, but it could have been a really good throw if 
Micah Parsons wasn't being an absolutely insane player crushing in the, the the right side of the Dolphins' offensive line. But I thought overall, Tua commanded the, the game well. And I've been the biggest critic about putting your team on your back, and he did that at the end. And, and it wasn't just the screens, because you know there was a screen on on the third and three to, to Hill, which they completed for the first down. But, you know, he made the throw to Cedric Wilson. He made the throw to Hill. He just was in command. There were no clock issues. Everything felt, you know, uh, he, even on the, on that third down to Hill, he went out to the, to the left and, and got somebody to, to slightly realign. Just felt like the performance that I think all of us have kind of wanted in terms of just in that massive moment, put the team on your shoulders and, and take us home. And that's exactly what he did. And I commend him for that. I thought it was a, a really good performance in a in a key moment when we needed him most. Well, he did it. He did it also with, as you've you know described uh, over and over again with Micah Parsons and his grill uh, all day long. And I think that that's. You know, the, the thing that I brought up during the game is, you know, we he did miss throws during the game. And they're throws that, you know, with Tua, we hold him to a high standard because we know that he goes, like, entire games without missing a throw, right? Like, without with the ball never, you know, just going somewhere he didn't intend it, right? And uh, he did miss throws. But then when you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, he does have four backup offensive linemen in front of him. Uh, trying to guard against a particularly jazzed up Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and some other players that uh, that were really good. And if you look at it, he was getting knocked around. I mean, he was he was you know say what you want about the jujitsu or whatever. He was getting knocked around. He was taking some big shots. Uh, and it's it's all nice of us to say. And you're you're right. Uh, bottom line is bottom line. You can't you got to you got to make the throws. But it's nice for us sometimes to be like, oh, two is off today, two is off today. And it's like, yeah, he's got four to five backup offensive linemen in front of him against a very fierce and very violent pass rush that are knocking him around. Yeah, it's going to it's going to have an effect. It's had an effect. That sort of pressure has had an effect on every quarterback that's ever played the game. You know, so I I think that uh, I think that that goes into it. But for Tua at the end there to orchestrate the drive. And uh, and, you know, calmly conduct them down the field in the clutch situation that they did, um, even after having been knocked around like he was uh, and with having, you know, the sort of the um, the uh, the loss of trust in his uh, offensive line that naturally comes with the fact that all of them are backups, almost all of them are backups. Um, you know, that that does speak speak well of him. He uh, he had a good game overall. Um, you know, there's some clearly some throws that he missed that you would uh, like him to to make, though. Yeah, I think Alec Ingold, Julian Hill, and Durham Smythe also deserve props for for what they did, uh, both in the run and the pass game. Quickly before we get out of here, our five minutes left. Defense, the defense looks spectacular again. Um, mm. without Jerome Baker, without obviously Jalen Phillips, without Javon Holland, Deshaun Elliott making one of the plays of the year to keep. Uh, uh, to keep um, Tony uh, Pollard out of the end zone. Generally, a, a, another terrific performance on the back end by by that def- defense and, and headed by that brilliant defensive line, notably Zach Sealer, Van Ginkle, Christian Wilkins and Bradley Chubb, who's playing out of his mind. Yeah, and uh, I played one of those crazy parlays where I bet every single guy in the front four to get a sack and I missed it because Christian Wilkins didn't get a sack. He played as good as anybody else. He was absolutely shutting down the entire interior of that that cowboy offense, and they like to run a lot of traps. None of that was effective. Zach Sealer could not be blocked. Bradley Chubb could not be blocked, and Andrew Van Ginkle was everywhere. He had a PBU. 
Okay. Duke Riley had an excellent game as well. I'll just throw Duke that. Duke Riley was awesome. And, and let me say one thing. I made another prediction because I was looking this up and I was I wanted to see how close it was going to be. And before the season, we were we were debating whether he was going to go over or not. I said Durham Smythe would not have 30 receptions this season. He's at 29. How big <laughs> were his five for 56 in that game? Yeah, the the one that with the fumble, the fumble, the drop snap, the low snap that was dropped then. To a hit him for 21 yards. That was a big play. That was a big catch, big play. Right. Yeah. And by the way, the NFL credited Tour with a fumble. fumble. Well, Pro Football Focus did, actually. I'm not sure if the NFL did, but bizarre either way. Um, yeah, very bizarre. Yeah, I'm on their but, NFL website. They gave Tua the fumble. On oh, that, there you go then. On that well, you know, just real quick, though. What what did you guys make of the whole, you know, having Jalen Ramsey travel with CeeDee Lamb, not have him travel? Like, you know, that was... That was such a really big narrative for media and fans, and it seemed like every time something bad happened, you know, the Cowboys did something good on offense, you know, it would be blamed on that. And I just so think they made so a forth. really big adjustment really quickly after that first couple of drives to, in terms of how they played him. They almost triple bracketed him, bracketed him at times. Try saying that after two glasses of white wine on Boxing Day evening. Um, and I think they just took him out of the game completely. It's such an it is an interesting one. It is an interesting one because you know you kind of feel like Ramsey's kind of so good and shutting everybody down, but actually he's he's barely involved in the game in terms of you know. And it's right. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, anytime that I see like a, a you know a a two by one, three by one, three by two, or whatever for, uh, formation, and Ramsey's out there on Ferguson, and they're side by yeah. side, just call the switch. And yeah. you've got plenty of time. Right there's where Ramsey tells Kohu, let's switch. You're on the perimeter on Ferguson because we know what they're doing here. They're just going to put us in a wash and try to run CD underneath. Let me take CD. Like, that's something I would do. But you're right. Uh, they they went to like a some. There was a play. There was one play in particular I was looking at where they had David Long. This is a, a motley crew of people defending CD Lamb. They had David Long, Andrew Van Ginkle, and then Cater Kohu over the top on like what was like a diamond bracket coverage on cd lamb and everybody else was one-on-one now that's smart i th- I, I just think overall that you know the the feeling i got was that vic fangio was not playing a game was not calling a game against cd lamb he was calling a game against dak prescott and it worked you know because because dak prescott there were some plays out there to be made you know for it's not as if nobody was open you know uh and i think that dak prescott was confused by some of the coverage, uh, surprised by some of the coverage out there, and it forced a little bit of hesitancy and indecision from him in situations where he might have been more decisive um, in other games. And I think that that's, I think that was the point. Like you know, at the end of the day, CD Lamb could come out of the game. I know that he's a big part of the offense, but CD if if, if CD comes out of the game with three hundred yards, but the Cowboys only scored 17, then Vic Fangio is going to call the victory on that. And and so I think that, you know, you come into it, hey, do I call the game against the guy that's leading leading for right now anyway for MVP, or do I call the game against a, uh, a specific wide receiver? Uh, you know, I, that's where I kind of got the feeling that Vic Fangio might be spicy if you really press him on that issue of Jalen Ramsey, because a lot of people out there are kind of making it um, – you know, like like it's an obvious thing. Like, you know, it's an obvious thing to have Jalen Ramsey travel with C.D. Lamb with your best wide receiver, but they don't really think about um, the knock-on effects that has on what you have to do from a coverage standpoint or more um, more to the point, what you can't do from a coverage standpoint 
in terms of disguise and confusion and ways of pressuring the quarterback with coverage. Um, and I, I think that worked. I think that, that did overall work. There were a lot of times that Dak Prescott, the, uh, you know, the MVP that he was heretofore MVP, uh, was confused and hesitant and, uh, and didn't pull the trigger on guys that frankly were open. By the way, uh, uh, just to interject, do you find it kind of, I find it, I make, it makes me smile. Uh, if you notice, they moved Araujo next to him as his chief assistant, and he's using a tablet to input stuff. And then you look at Vic Fangio, and he has a yellow pad, and he's writing stuff with a pencil. <laughs> well, that makes me smile every time I see it. Because <laughs> here you have the young guy right next to him, you know, all tableted out, all all high tech. And here's here's the old man with a yellow pad and a pencil. It's very funny. It's very funny. Right. Let us get to our uh, players of the game. Uh, before we get out of here, where would you like to uh, give your top performers or who would you like to give as your top performers? Start with you, Chris. Who um, who stood out for you in this game? Well, I mean, if you look at the day, so first off, I think the Dolphins, one of the reasons between last week and this week, one of the reasons that they're doing so well winning is that defensive line is, is just the defensive line has fully started to take over. Um and I'm a little bit torn on whether to give it to uh, Zach Sealer or Andrew Van Ginkle or Bradley Chubb or or Christian Wilkins. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Andrew Van Ginkle. He had a hell of a day. Um, he was constantly, constantly in the quarterback's face. Uh, he had. I mean, he's he's become a, a really strong pass rusher, and who would have seen that coming? And he's also extremely versatile. So give him the give him the flowers on the day. Um, got it. And there was one point I thought. He was going to intercept and get another touchdown, <laughs> you know, um, but or or at least tip it up so that somebody else can intercept it. But um, but yeah, so uh, give Andrew Van Ginkle his flowers. Uh, Alf, yeah, it's uh, it's too easy to just give five game balls to to Jason Sanders, and I'm with you there on the defense line. They were great, but I'm going to go to a guy that was asked to do a ton, and then did a ton with that with what he was asked to do, and that's Teron Armstead. Teron Armstead was asked essentially to just play by himself on an island the entire game. He had no help. All the help was going elsewhere on that offensive line. Uh, he held DeMarcus Lawrence in check in the pass rush for the for the most part. And he had some good moments against Michael Parsons as well. Now, did he have a, a really bad moment? Yes, he did. And did he have some rough moments on the run? Yes. But they played with four backup offensive linemen. He was the only starter. He's their best offensive lineman. And they asked him to do a lot. And he delivered. So he gets my game ball for this game. Yeah, there was one absolutely monster whiff, wasn't there? On I think it was on Parsons, where Parsons just went underneath him. Yeah, and he I, was, I Chris, it was ended uh, tour. <laughs> yeah, uh, Zach Sealer would be my offense or defensive MVP, but you can't not give it to Jason Sanders with what he did. I mean, that was a sensational kicking performance uh, by Sanders, and let's hope that it continues next week in Baltimore at home against Buffalo, and then in the playoffs because yours and my Miami Dolphins will play at least one playoff game and hopefully they'll play more than one playoff game and hopefully they will do it at home in Miami and uh, perhaps their final game of the season will be in Las Vegas at the Super Bowl which would be fucking justice for all the shit that's gone before quite frankly <laughs> uh, thank you for listening uh, we appreciate you doing so during what is a busy period I hope you're having fun with your families I hope you're having a nice time I hope Santa brought you all that you want we look forward to speaking to you on Thursday night as we head towards the new year and the biggest game of the season the next biggest game of the season against the AFC number one seed, the Baltimore Ravens from Alf, from Chris, 
and from myself and everyone at 3YPC Towers, which is essentially me, Alf and Chris. See you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.